Went to the Argos game yesterday, Mackie. Yes, sir. Argos are a wagon. Absolute wagon. Best team in the league. Don't let anyone hear you say it too loud, though. BC favored in our house? How dare they? How dare they? Argos went down seven zip, and I went, oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't talk about CFL. Maybe I'm not ready yet. Maybe what my eyes have told me about the first two weeks of Argonauts football are more about the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Edmonton Elks. Wrong. Argos. <laughs> Argos. Wagon. Huge assist to Vernon Adams, too, I will say, but we don't have to go there. You want to follow a team in the city right now? You want hope? Argos. Back-to-back champ potential for real. First 3-0 start since 91. For real. Dominated a good Lions team. A good Lions team. Important to say, JD. I know. Man, I, I was going to go to the game, and I bailed last minute, and I feel like a fool. Oh. I feel like a fool. It wasn't really my fault. It was the other people <laughs> that bailed around me. So, But I, I still would have gone. But then I ended up kind of empty-handed, and I couldn't really text Mackie, like, hey, can I come with you and your dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Hey, can I come with you and you your dad? You would have been welcome. You last been welcome. minute, yeah. Man, they're actually really fun. And Chad Kelly's a star. Like, Chad Kelly is a stud. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Both my best bets hit. Bing, bang. Ouellette, TD. That's just a guarantee right now. There's no he, there's no more guarantee than Ouellette scoring a touchdown. Except for he did get stopped on the one-yard line early. <laughs> he did, and yeah. And I, I sat there like, you. That was your chance. <laughs> you bum. <laughs> Dive it in there. Dive it in there. I, as soon as guys stink with long hair, that's my first thought. Cut your hair. <laughs> just get into full your boomer. your gut reaction? Full boomer mode the second it happens. This guy's all about flash. He's not about finish. But yeah, no, Argos are a wagon. They're actually a really fun watch right now. And this is the first time in my entire life, I think, that I've watched two CFL games on television. This mm. early? Like, not by accident at a bar. Actually put like it on. Intentionally yes. turning it on. Knew what time the game was. Knew who the opponent was. Had multiple bets in. By the way, again, I'm trying a new thing. So go to my Twitter. Go to my Instagram if you want to see my best bets. Share them. Like them. And then I'll end up keep doing that over there. So, yeah, both of them hit Argonauts plus three and a half. I also actually did play the money line. I just got a little cowardly with the, the best bet, you know. <laughs> I went with the, the three and a half. I thought, no, I do you Are you watching more because you're genuinely excited to watch yeah. the team or is it because of where we are on the sports calendar right now? What no. do, you, do you think? It's because I like the team. Oh, I, this is so good to hear. First of all, first so of all, first of all, I went to a bunch of games down the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. And... I, for me, you win a Grey Cup and you do it that way where Chad came in and looked like a guy. Plus, it's Chad Kelly. <laughs> it's a cool player to monitor. They've got a cool backfield, bunch of solid receivers, a, a good, fast defense with veterans in the secondary. I like the Argos, man. Argos are nice. I still can't believe when I look at the stadium that well, how how decent was the attendance ah, last night? Twelve thousand last night. We can do better, Toronto. Yeah, we can do better. Well, the problem too is that they don't sell that top deck, which is on the TV side. Well, on Monday too. It's why wait, why didn't they play it on the Sunday of the well, long weekend? Well, because it's a holiday. But the Sunday. Well, then play it in the afternoon of the long weekend too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, twelve thousand wasn't great. It's but a beautiful it, night. And it's it, a fantastic team. And it's too. just a great place to watch a football game. Anybody who's been to an NFL stadium, it's awful watching football games at NFL stadiums unless you're in a few select expensive ass seats for the most part you're going huh 
I probably should have just stayed on the couch and watched all the games at one o'clock. Mm. Four o'clock start, you're feeling better live. But even then, the seats, it's it's just not nearly as it's all about the tailgate with football. It's about going before, not actually being at the game. When you're at BMO and you're watching the Argos, six sight lines from basically anywhere you want to sit, plus a cheap ass ticket. It's an event anyway. Yeah. I, I stopped telling people to go because I want to keep getting my cheap tickets and I want to keep rolling. But yeah, it was really, really fun. Anyways, the big news from yesterday is William Nylander. I'm going to talk to Versteeg in a couple of minutes about him. But it was reported yesterday by my boy Chris Johnston that things aren't going well. That the negotiations that I think his quote was, they see the world differently. Nylander wants to be around 10 million bucks. The Leafs are offering around eight point something, mm-hmm. at least something that starts with an eight, which has been sort of the scuttlebutt now for a couple of weeks. I think CJ just, you know, updated it. What did we say with Frank last week? I keep saying it over and over and over again. Every day that goes by where Nylander doesn't have a contract increases the odds that he's going to get traded. It was interesting talking to James yesterday because he brought up the great point of, well, Nylander did only get 10 teams and people wildly, wildly, exaggerate the power of what those lists end up actually being, especially for someone who is probably going to be as in demand as a guy like Nylander. But if he does put a couple of those teams on the list that make the most sense, like Carolina and Calgary gets kind of interesting in terms of trying to look around the league and figure out a, who has some pieces that make you feel comfortable that you're taking back that give you roster balance. Because for me, If you're trading Nylander, you're not winning the trade. You're not getting talent for talent. There's just no way. So what you have to be trying to look for is getting some center depth and getting some blue line help. You got to accomplish both those things. And this one's really tricky for me because I actually, I understand Nylander's position, man. The cap is going up Mm -hmm. and it's probably going to go up in a pretty significant way. And these last couple of seasons, he's been watching Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner make a bunch more bank than him because they got to cash in a year later. And he's looking at this right now saying, so wait, you want me to be the 8.8 guy, let's say. You want me to be the 8.8 guy. And then a year from now, well, not even a year from now with Matthews, he's going to get done immediately. But a year from now, when you guys start talking with Mitch Marner, who I think I'm just as good as, and there is a very strong case that he's at least in the ballpark of Mitch Marner. He's not $4 million difference, $3 million difference in Mitch Marner. People don't ever really discuss that Marner is still the more trusted guy, that he kills penalties, that he plays more minutes, that he is more consistent than Nylander still to this day. Not as much of a goal scorer, though. And that's the thing that we've always been told you pay the most for. Anyways, if I'm Nylander, I'm looking at this going, so I'm a year ahead... And you want me to take 8.8, let's say. Let's just say it's if it starts with an 8, it's going to be in the back ends of it. You want me to take 8.8 over real term into the increased cap era. And a year from now, I'm going to watch Mitch Marner, who's making 11 mil right now, get what? So I'm going to be 8.8 for me. And then Mitch a year later, who doesn't score as much as me, who hasn't showed up and produced produce the same way as me in the playoffs, he's going to get what? 12. So you want me to be 3 million under Mitch again. That's what makes all of this so difficult. 
These guys are comparing themselves to one another. It's the three guys on the team that are pushing each other's salaries up. And you can, whatever, the Tavares thing is nonsense. He signed as an unrestricted free agent and as a proven 40-goal scorer in the NHL. So we need to stop with this whole, like, if Tavares doesn't come here, then those guys don't ask for that kind of money, and it doesn't. No, those guys were RFAs, and the original sin is Dubas blew it with those contracts, flat out. And it's put them in this impossible position. And so for all the, you know, still defenders that are out there that are doing the whole, you can like tree living and Dubas too thing. This is why they're in this position is Kyle Dubas left a mess with those contracts. He left them in a spot where all those RFAs, well, two of those RFAs especially, ended up getting paid way too much money as RFAs, gave them everything, including the term. And now they're in a spot where William Nylander goes, I can't show up to work every game and see that two guys who I can kind of compare myself to, less so Matthews, but definitely Marner, where I'm looking at Marner, I can't show up to work and say, next year I'm making three million bucks minimum less than him. How am I supposed to do that? Every time I score a goal in the playoffs, what, I'm getting bumped down off power play one so that Mitch can keep doing it? I'm going to take three million less than him because the coach likes him more, because he's more consistent, because he plays better 200-foot game? No, I want the 10 million bucks. So I get it from his position. But it's one that, again, the Leafs put themselves in. However, as much as I understand Elander's gripe, there's two things here. One, I don't know the team that is going to want to, A, trade assets to acquire him and then shell out $10 million for him. So is the, it, this is, once again, the thing. So it's always the Toronto price that's higher because it's the Toronto players that are higher. If he goes somewhere else... And he has to play, like, let's say he did get traded to New Jersey tomorrow, just for the sake of argument. Mm. What, what he's, he's comparing himself now in that dressing room to Timo Meyer. They're going, yeah, that's a bigger, stronger guy than you. And, yeah, you have some more goals than he has. He played on a crappy Sharks team. We think you and him are the same-ish guy. He yeah. does some things better. You do some things better. We can't justify paying. Oh, fine. We'll give you nine. You know, mm. 8.9. There, does that make Point you happy? one more. Yeah. Does that make you happy to be the highest paid guy? Fine. Go ahead. Where's the place that wants to give Nylander 10 million bucks? Especially when he's got 10 teams he's saying he's not going to want to go to. What's the destination? Where's the place where they want to throw their cap out of whack? Even though, again, going up, it's, it's going to end up being fine. This is genuinely the exact same thing that happened to him on his last deal. He ends up settling for the seven. The other guys go a year later, and they get paid way more money. He doesn't want to see it happen again, and so he's holding firm on this, holding firm on this number. But if you're the Maple Leafs, you got to end the cycle. You can't keep having this happen. I, I really do believe still that the guy to move would be Marner. I, I just do. I, I, like, I, I like goals. I think Nylander scores more. Marner has proven to choke more often in the playoffs. He just looks scared at some playoff games. He's had a couple at least recently that were all right, but he plays scared in the big games. And I don't know why we just can't say that. He's done it multiple times. So to me, he'd be the guy that I'm still shopping around. But then again, even if you get off of him, what, you're going to give Nylander the 10 million bucks? I don't feel like that's right either. So you're just in a really, really difficult position with all of this. But you got to end the cycle. Tree Living's got to end it. You know, there's all this discussion about why they brought these guys in and n- need more snot in their game and the room's too quiet and blah, 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 right? We know. You can't graft personality onto these three guys. Well, these four, if you want to include Tavares. They are who they are. So, yeah, you can move the little pieces around them and you can say that, oh, now they're going to be grittier. Now they're going to be this. Now they're going to be that. It's not going to happen. They're going to be themselves. They're going to be the players that they always were. And it's not going to get any better if you bend the knee again and give 
start by giving one of the players everything that he wants. Mitch is not going to look at that a year from now and go, well, I guess Nylander and I are pretty close. No, he's going to look at Matthews. They're always looking one guy up. So you got to end it. It's tough because you hate trading talent. I'm a hater of trading the best talent in a deal. I always look at deals like that and say, you got the best player in the trade. You won the trade. Almost always. And we just saw how it worked out with Kachuk. I do think that trade's going to bounce back a little bit this year. But either way, we just saw how that operates. You're going to lose the Nylander trade. It's going to be tough to swallow looking at what the return might end up being, especially in the moment. Might give your roster a little bit more balance, but you've got to end this whole idea of these three guys comparing themselves to one another and trying to get the most money. Anyways, Christopher Stieg, the creator of the Clever app, who was at the Collision Conference this past week was pretty fancy stuff. Listen, I know, I know Chris is doing really well with this app and I do want to talk about it later, but to see him on the stage at collision with like the, the, you know, the Silicon Valley headset thing on and doing the like hands clasped in front of a large audience was a bit of a trip. Uh, two time Stanley cup winner. What's up, brother? How are we doing? What did you like my hands or the leg cross? Leg better? cross was good too. It was very, it was like you watch Steve jobs tapes and you just mimicked him, which makes sense because the Clever app is a video app. And so maybe that's what you were doing. You were using video. You were stealing from the Silicon Valley guys and you applied it to the stage. That's exactly what we're doing. I looked yeah. at Steve Jobs' videos, <laughs> what he's doing with his hands, what he's doing with his head, and then exactly what you said, apply yeah. it to the collision conference to do what I need to do. So and it worked out. Uh, I wouldn't say perfectly. I screwed up a little bit. No, but it looked good. It looked really it looked good, good, man. And I thought yeah. that you crushed a few of the talking points. And yeah, I want to actually get into them a little bit later after we talk a little Leafs. But yeah, what do you what do you make of the the Nylander stuff here? Because word on the street is is that he wants a number that starts with a ten. The Leafs want a number that starts with an eight. The comparables that have happened happened very easily, right? And yeah, is he a better player than Pierre Luc Dubois? Sure, but Pierre Luc Dubois is a center. Timo Meyer, is he a better player? I don't know, maybe. Like, there's a case for and there's a case against. I think that they're pretty damn close to one another. If you saw Philip Forsberg a little while back, pretty comparable player. He's in the eights. Like, the rest of the guys around the league are stapling themselves to that number pretty comfortably with that term. And then here you have another Maple Leaf who wants over 10. But like I just outlined it, he's a super talented player. And the guys around him keep cashing in for more money. If you're tree living, what, what like what's the next step for you? Well, for, for let's talk about Willie first. For Willie, with the flat cap era and with all these guys relatively in and around what he's doing, getting around eight to nine, it does make sense that that's probably where he's going to have to land, especially on an eight-year contract if he wants that extra eight-year, unless he's going to do the sign and trade at the end. But that it, it makes sense. Now, if the cap's going up and we're talking about good times and good days, and yeah, he's in the $10 million ballpark, but you cannot, again, I'm... Who's a bigger Willie fan than me, especially during the playoffs? No yeah. one. But you cannot give a guy $10 million plus, again, not name Patrick Kane, not talking Patrick Kane, if you can't put him on the penalty kill, if you can't put him out in certain five-on-five -five situations, if he's very one-dimensional in what he does. And, yes, he is better in that situation than mostly everyone else in the league. Not everyone, but mostly. But I just find it hard especially in the flat cap that you're going to have to give a guy 10 million plus who doesn't do four or five of the tools that you need done or executed every night, nightly. Now you're looking around the league and like you're talking about Mitch Marner, that's when times were different. We thought times the cap was going to go up exponentially and it's not, I'm now interested to see what Mitch Marner gets again. He's close to hundred points, but what does he get now going forward in, in a year from now? So for me with Willie, I understand he is coming in at 10, 
I get that's what he's going to do for leverage and what he has to do. You know, I mean, remember when I was negotiating a deal, we said I was worth seven. I'm not even worth close to seven. But that's what you got to do in order to bump the number up as much as possible. But if he does want to stay in Toronto and give his, you know, give this team the best chance to win, it, it will probably be in and around eight million. Yeah, man. And that, that's it to me is, dude, how, how much do you want to be here? Like, can you really not show up to the rink making almost $9 million a year and play hard? <laughs> you know, is it really going to be that hard for you? I, I do wonder if... Well, he's a guy who likes nights off, too. Yeah, he absolutely saying, does. And, and I'm a guy who likes nights off as well, I seemed at times. Mm-hmm. If you're that guy, you got to be happy and understand that, again, he's not a five-tool player. He's not mm-hmm. a guy that does thing in every situation. So... What number lets you do what you can do without being expected too much? And now everyone understands, again, Willie's going to take nights off. If you want 10-plus and you already think the media doesn't like you enough, if you go 10-plus, boy, I'd hate to see the media then. Take eight, take nine, take your few nights off, show up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Hey, listen. I, I... Psychology 101. Yeah, I, I don't know why these guys haven't put that part of it together ever. Like, with Marner, he was. it seemed like his camp was just so obsessed with getting closer to the Matthews number when they negotiated the deal, and then it backfired because he lost a lot of his equity in the city. And yes, flat cap happened, but the expectation goes through the roof all of a sudden. You know, guys in the city, people... I've said this before, it's so weird. Toronto has not had that many superstars in over the existence of an original six franchise. Like, Matt Sundin is a great player. Um, they've had great guys for small periods of time, but go through it. It's just not, this is not the star mecca of the NHL. It just, it, it hasn't been. Think of when you were here, you know, some of the guys that you were playing with. And yet there's just not the love that these superstars should have in a place that's been dry for superstars. And it's because of the money. And that sucks. It's a byproduct of the NHL where they shoot themselves in the foot with this flat cap and with the hard cap and all of these different things and the way that they're talked about. I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand it from a player standpoint, but like who is going to be the first guy that just says, you know what? I really do like it here. And I'm going to back it up with a little bit of action. And I'm going to stop making these contract negotiations go into day 21 where we're fighting over the extra million dollars. Like I, I do think that, Part of this with Nylander, like, don't you feel as though there's an extra part of it where tree living has to go? We need to stop that cycle. The cycle of the top guys constantly looking for the biggest bag. That's going to be the hardest cycle to stop, especially when the biggest guys got already 12 and a half million and 11 and a half million. How do you Mm -hmm. stop that cycle when you go back into each and every negotiation and you're already like, well, I'm at 11 and a half. I got close to a hundred points. What can you do as tree in order to stop that cycle? I think it is to get rid of one of these players. Is Nylander the player pushing himself out by doing this and making this situation kind of arise? So, again, we talk about the core four. Who needs to move? Obviously, Nylander would be the last choice of a lot, mm-hmm. minus Matthews. But is he the guy that could individually just stop the cycle by doing what he's doing if that makes sense so again moving a core player out maybe he's a guy who pushes himself out that starts to get leverage back into the gm's hands on negotiations going forward saying if you aren't willing to do this we'll look to move you on and you can go somewhere else to try to find your 10 12 14 million in a flat cap era mm-hmm. yeah i mean the cap is going to start to go up and Part of me keeps. What, what is it? One million. It, one it's, million. It's and one then... million this year, but then it's supposed to spike the following season, and then some people are projecting a, a pretty sizable jump, like two years from now. 
that all, all of a sudden this thing is going to grow, you know, exponentially and that these things, these guys are going to be on really good deals. That's why, that's why you're seeing dudes like Bertuzzi and Domi and the rest. Uh, Orlov took only two years, right? A lot of guys are bucking trends of being top tier free agents and, and there's no money this year. There hasn't been. That's I, I look at these guys though, and they are 27, 28, 29. Yeah. You know, Orlov's 29, 30. I do really like the under, like, I do like taking short deals. Yeah. I, I also think taking the short deal in your mid 20s makes a lot more sense than 28, 29. Not saying that they won't, or not saying that it won't happen, but if the cap does go up five, six million, are they going to invest in a guy like Orlov for another six, seven years at seven plus? Or are they going to ba- take that money back and go back into their guys' off entry level contracts or second level contracts that mean more to the team? Where they'd rather give that extra cap space to those guys? So again, that's a bit of a risk that you're willing to take. I like the understanding of it, but the Orlov and these guys later on in their career, Bertuzzi, um, what, what's Bertuzzi now? 27, 28? Yeah. And he's think, only one year. 28. 28, yeah. He's 28. So um, getting close to 30 puts a lot of GMs on pins and needles in negotiations. Uh-huh. It, it just does, especially going past three or four years. So I understand what they're doing. I like what they're doing. And, you know, you have all these cap guys expecting the cap to go up but that money i would pursue or i would expect would go back into the younger players again mm-hmm. not saying that's where i would like it to go but i would believe that's where the, the money would go rather into these 30 year old free agents sure the thing is though you play for the toronto maple leafs which is the the guarantee with this is you're not in Dallas where a year from now they might go, you know what, never mind. Uh, we're not spending up to the cap or over the cap. You're in Toronto where you've got Brandon Pridham who's going to figure out how to get a dollar under the salary cap and ice a hockey team. You're on a team where LTIR is not an issue, right? Burying yeah. cash is not an issue. You're going to be provided with every single thing. And so if you're these guys and you're talking about taking these deals and reinvesting or taking the money, you know that the Leafs are going to make good on that. Like, you know they're going to spend money. And the part of this that I, I still think is not being discussed enough is the last time all these contracts happened, everyone got up in arms because they went, Dubas's big mistake was not getting Matthews done first. And then it, that was this consensus. Matthew should have done first because then you could have slotted in everybody else in line and blah, 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 blah. And now here we have it where they're negotiating with Matthews, but they're negotiating with Nylander. Both things quiet, but Nylander has all the attention because they've figured out a way to say, hey, Matthews' number looks to be pretty well set. We've heard things like four years. We've heard up to six years. We've heard around 14 million bucks that he wants to be a Maple Leaf. So it's just been pushed to the side. But I'm going, I'll, I'll never forget this. I remember hearing Sidney Crosby on Spit and Chicklets, like the one interview that he ever did where he actually gave some stuff. And he talked about how he knew he and Gino were up for contracts at the same time. And he knew he had to take a million dollars less. And if you remember that last contract that Sidney Crosby was on, it was incredible, right? I think he took 887, right? Yeah. yeah. Like he took the 887 and he said, I knew I had to take less to show the other guys how this was going to operate, that I was committed to winning and I needed them to be committed to winning too. And business and cap going up and all this stuff, fine. But I don't know why there isn't a little bit more attention on, hey, why isn't the Matthews deal just done? Why isn't he just showing, hey, this is sort of where I'm slotting in at? And then letting the rest of the dominoes fall when it comes to the Nylander. I wonder if he's like, if there's a part of him that's waiting on how the Nylander thing plays out and whether that's going to bump his number or how that's going to do things. But why aren't they just making sure that Matthews gets done before they even move on a Nylander? 
Well, there's a reason one side hasn't agreed on it yet, and we don't know what side that is unless you do. But I just think, you know, you look at Matthews, how much does he want out of this? How much term? And, and is that something they're willing to go on? It, it, does he want to do another short-term deal? You're saying four years. I haven't heard anything on the entire Matthews front at all yet. So if I'm looking at Nylander now, I'm sure he would like to go longer at, you're saying, a $10 million term. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to Matthews. There's someone not agreeing on the side. Otherwise, the deal would be done. Is it is it Brad or is it Matthews? I, I have no idea. I think it's just Matthews. I think, I think the Leafs are pretty much accepting that he's one of the game's best players, regardless of how people feel about it. Just the frustrating thing is that with him, it's always felt like, he wants the money and the term that it doesn't matter how many years it is. He wants the same amount of money, right? Like, yeah, you know, here's the other now. thing you never touched on with Toronto is endorsements. Of course, like, dude, that's what I love about Domi coming here. And, and he's already got Friedman put out on 32 thoughts that he wants to be a leaf for life. This is home. He's always wanted to play here. And I'm like, yeah, because he saw how it works for his dad. His dad hangs out with Tom Brady in the off season. Yeah. You think that happens if he plays for Arizona that Tom Brady was like who tied Omi of the Arizona Coyotes of the Dallas Stars of the- Mark Wahlberg, all yeah. these guys commenting on his post. It's yes. pretty incredible. And that's yeah. the type of, that's the type of viewership he's bringing now to this team because obviously what his father did and it's amazing, but those are the type of eyeballs that are bringing, you know, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're, Tom Brady's going to watch a game now. These guys are going to watch a game. So endorsements, where does the money start to go? Who's Bet99 betting on now? Who are all these companies willing to throw money at for endorsements? So you're like, again, you're talking $10 million. Why, like, who was talking about Tavares a while ago? Why didn't he take $10 million and then get $2 million in endorsements? Mm. Or was it $12 million or, or Stamkos? I remember they were talking about $2 yeah, million. Stamkos had the, weird, the one where he, in the negotiation, the Canadian Tire guy was there, famously. Yeah. Yeah. So, wink, wink. I yeah. mean, there's there's a lot of deals that can be done outside of being a Toronto Maple Leaf and your contract with Toronto Maple Leaf that allows you to make extra income, which you could not make with the Florida Panthers, could not make with the Philadelphia Flyers, even though the Philadelphia Flyers are considered an A plus club. It's just you know, on the endorsement side, mm-hmm. no one can make the amount amount of money they can like they could in Toronto uh, endorsement wise. Yeah. Okay. I- I know this is a business and I know that these guys want to set themselves up and we live in the Instagram era where you compare yourself to everybody else and they probably even see the NBA money being thrown around and go, well, why can't I be like this, especially a guy like Matthews? But I'm sorry, I'm just so tired of the money first before the winning where and, and it's just it's happening again. These guys got embarrassed again in the playoffs and we hit the off season. It starts with them all going. We want to stay in Toronto. We love Toronto. We feel like we're building something. We feel like we took a step forward by beating Tampa, blah, 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 blah. And then they step towards the negotiating table and they go, so you want to be in Toronto? And they're like, yeah, for, you know, 14 and $10 million plus all those endorsements you're talking about. Let's figure all that stuff out before we hit the ice. Like, how about you just go and, and figure out what your priorities are? And if the priority is once again, just money, 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 everything, and it's not the winning, it's just f- feels so secondary. I feel like that just ends up being pervasive throughout the rest of the culture of the team. And so, yeah, that's why, to me, the Nylander thing, if he ends up having to be the, the sacrificial lamb, I don't mind it as much if you're sending a message around the rest of your locker room and even to Mitch Marner a year from now going, there's a breaking point here, and, and we will take a step back in a trade to take a step forward as an organization. Well, that, that's exactly it. And 
basically answering your question to me about two minutes ago is what's going to break this cycle. And I think that's it. You got to let someone be the sacrificial lamb. You're going to let someone negotiate themselves out of this situation. Now for Brad, you got to have a backup plan of who you're going to bring in in order to fill those slots and those holes. And I'm sure he does. He's a very smart guy in that understanding. He's always got a plan B, plan C, plan D. Um, But that could be the way in order to break the cycle. And it it would suck to happen because I really like Nylander. Same. I like him in big moments. I hate how Keith utilizes him. Keith completely, completely messed with, uh, I believe, his game, especially when he was playing at the top of his game in the playoffs. And I would hate to see it happen again. But maybe that's also a little of a hidden piece going into this is, Uh, Nylander understanding that this can happen at any time with Keefe as the coach can slightly bury him can put him on the second power play unit which is fine I don't mind spreading out the power play units but you know when Mitch isn't going when certain guys aren't going why is there no flip-flop there you know when he's playing why is he not getting more than 17 minutes so I think maybe in his mind he's like well you know I'm going to go for as much as possible understanding that this you know the coach at the end of the day does um, dictate how much ice you're going to get and what your output could be so looking at that, that could be a little bit of a hidden piece in this as well, saying, you know, well, if Keith's going to do this, I'm going to do this as well. Well, and there's also, I would have to think a little bit of, he's been a, a, a market whipping boy for a while. He was the guy, like, they dragged out the contract negotiation with him in the first place. And I know it's a different GM, different coach, but Babcock could be hard on him at times too. And yeah, like the fan base has been tough on Nylander in moments. I think that's a little overstated to me. The most, most people are fine with him and they think he's good. And I don't think Nylander hears your uncle on the couch complaining about how he's, you know, uh, he's not committed enough. So it's, he's I, a night off guy. Sure. Him his but I know, I know. Off, whip yeah. on him, let him have it. Sure. Give him his money. Absolutely. That's, that's the part of it where it, it just, every time I come back, I argue all this stuff and then I go, man, two years from now. And I hate thinking about two years from now because yes, it's so many things could happen. But let's go, if the cap spikes, what it's going to spike. Would I rather have, you know, Lindholm and Hannafin, who probably walks, and maybe Lindholm on a long deal that's a few million less than William Nylander? I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. So, anyway, I, it's a tough one for me. Here's, here's one. Are the Leafs better today? Right now, you're looking at the roster. Let's just play it that it is what it is, what we know right now. Are they better right now? than the team that you saw exit the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Panthers last year? Without a doubt. Okay. Without doubt. And it's it's no question to me. And it all comes from what they're going to add into the room, the culture, the guys like Reeves that are going to, you know, they may speak up at times when the team doesn't uh, act right, or maybe they don't have energy on a Tuesday in Carolina, or maybe they, they need a, a physical piece to the game. So you have Reeves, you bring in Domi, a kid that, you know, you, you obviously, he, he grew up loving the Leafs. It's what his dad was. He's a God, he's an icon here. And this is a kid that's going to add tons of energy every night. You have Bertuzzi, who's a way bigger upgrade on bunting. He can do a lot more than bunting. I know bunting and his stats could be relatively the same at times throughout the past two or three years. But Bertuzzi adds more of a physical element, I believe, than bunting. He's just a bigger body. And he's a better player. And you're adding bad boys. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're not adding bad people. You're adding bad boys. And everyone always wants, oh, this guy's a great guy in the locker room. Um, his mom is a, you know, a great person. That It's just like, sh- shut up. Shut up. 
add guys that want to win. And sometimes you got to add bad guys. Sometimes you got to add guys that are going to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to add guys that are going to speak when they're not necessarily asked to speak. You need guys that are going to be there when the, the moments get bad. Think about Sam Bennett. You're going to need a guy to go in to punch him in the face. And I love Sam Bennett, but he's a bad guy. He's not a bad person. Yeah. He's a bad guy. We get it. We know what you're saying. You know, I, but that's what everyone's, well, is he a good guy? Is he, is he good in the lot? Well, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. You need bad guys. You need a a Vander Canes to go out there. You need Matthew Kachucks. Look over the history of winning. How many teams had all 20 good guys? None. Mm -hmm. None. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. You're going to need you're going to need the odd bad guy out there to do bad things. You're going to have to get into bad areas of the ice. You're going to need to punch a guy in the face, and that's what those three guys I believe are going to do. Not Klingberg, but I like Klingberg. I know we kind of debated the Klingberg yeah, side we'll of this. Yeah, but it, those three guys add an element that this team's needed. We've asked for. You know, they bring in Kyle Clifford. This okay. Let's go back to this. Actually, it mm-hmm. does worry me how Keith will utilize them all mm-hmm. or stick them in their roles because when Keith sticks a guy in a role, they never come out. So Clifford, don't need to go back there. He's a bad guy. Never used him. But he, these guys are also upgrades skill wise on Cliff. But mm-hmm. that's how. That's the one thing that worries me uh, is the coaching and how they're going to be utilized but I love the upgrade in these areas. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is you don't, you don't care as much about who wins the Masterson this year. You're I like, don't give, I, yeah. I do not care. <laughs> you don't think no. that the Leafs need another Masterson? Never, winner, so. never cared about yeah, it. No, I, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Sure, uh, what is the Masterson or what's the other one? Like, what's the, the Masterson? Well, the Lady the Bing is the least penalties. Yeah. Okay. Lady Bing is the, the one community one about. is the Masterson. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, Chuck um, the lady bang out. Yeah, uh, I know. Like, there, there was nothing more embarrassing as a Leafs fan than them going years and years without an individual winning any award, and then McGillney won the lady bang. It was like, there you go, Toronto. <laughs> you got a an award. That's what I'm saying about the stars. No, though. You need dogs, man. Yeah, you literally I, hey, need dogs. You're like every... speaking. You're preaching yeah. the choir here. You're preaching the choir. This is all. This is this is the thing. There are certain people where what you're saying right now, they're just standing ovation. You know, it's just it's people that are listening. Their their headphones are falling out because they're jumping up and down, fist pumping, or they're at their desk and they bang their knee on it because they did the you know yes, Chris, yes, you know exactly what you're talking about. I agree. And they have these quotes that all look really nice, and they go, oh, you need more snot in the game. But how would you feel? If you were one of the guys that's on this team right now, let's say the core five, right? Because it's Riley, Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, Marner. How would you feel if your new GM came in and Ryan Reeves, outspoken guy, multiple people are starting to say this. I've heard they have a quiet room. I've heard they have quiet practices. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. I, let's take you back. It, it's probably a shot at them, to be honest, and that's uh-huh. how they're they're taking it. I was in a Calgary back in the day, and I remember Brower Beauty, one of my best buddies, goes around the room and they're asking him what it's like to play Calgary. You know, prior to coming to Calgary, and he said, "Ah, oh, it was an easy game. You know, point night. You know, and you know, you look at all the guys that were in Calgary, and they're like, are you kidding me, Brow? You know, and Brow didn't really realize what he said, but God love Brower. So that's the type of thing is when you're coming into that situation and outside guys are saying that's what their perceptive is or what that's what they hear. Deep down, you take that as maybe a slight 
bit of an insult. Mm-hmm. Maybe you think about it. Um, why is that a piece of our team that hasn't been upgraded? I always go back to what does the coach want? What does the GM want? Dubis, he's obviously very analytical in his thinking. He wants certain guys to fill certain roles throughout the regular season because it gives you a better zone entry rate or whatever it may be. You cannot quantify or cannot understand what the value of a guy like Reeves in the room is because it's the daily energy added to the room. So if he's a guy saying that, you probably take it as a bit of a shot. But in pro sports, you got to have short memory and not think of it that that way. You got to think of it as okay, maybe that is you know something. Again, you go back to the weeds. The guys that have been in the weeds forever. You need a guy to come from out of the weeds, parachute in, and get, tell you what they see from up above. So maybe that is something as that those five guys could look at as a perspective as what they need. And it is what they need. Mm -hmm. We've heard it forever. They need guys that are going to make noise in that room. They're going to sometimes question what the coach wants. That are going to sometimes punch another guy in the face. Those are bad guys. Those are what they need, but they need to play them. Yeah. I, I think that I mentioned this yesterday that a lot got made about the Reeves three years but it's really not it's three years in name only they can bury yeah. basically all of the money immediately and this is what i'm talking about when you're the toronto maple leafs they don't care if they have to put ryan reeves's money down and also it was brought up by myrtle yesterday which is a good point that you know you wave them some other team's probably going to pick them up because they value that same thing they value him well, coming minnesota valued it yeah exactly minnesota valued it new york valued it sometimes mm. maybe it runs its course but that, that was my follow-up. Yeah, again, it can run its course. Andrew Shaw, yeah. great friend of mine, same type of thing. He would be in the room some days, and I'd be you know, tired on a Tuesday. Let's use the Tuesday Carolina analogy. He would be still yapping in the room at 9 a.m. in the morning. He'd be you know, in guys' faces at practice. Sometimes you'd want to fight him yourself, and I'd yeah. say, you know what, I'm going to punch you. you know, you're, you're slightly annoying right now. But that type of energy every single day does rub off on guys. And that is a trait that you need. You look at all the best teams over the history of time, there's always those type of guys. And you're right. Yes, it, uh, it can run its course, just sure. like a coach being, being a prick day in and day out. Those things can run its course. Doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that's a different type of person with a different type of energy, different thought process that adds significant value to a team that especially needs it like the Leafs. All right, let's have the Klingberg discussion. I've come around a little bit on it. Um, Just because I like the idea of buying low. And yeah, you still are buying low. It's one-year deal, four million bucks. It's fine, right? He's a guy who a couple of years ago with Dallas had an incredible run in the postseason, was an absolute stud. Last couple of years haven't been good. I don't like to think that it's all aging. I like to think that some of it is team, like situational, what has happened with him. But it is always tough, too, where a guy bets on himself like he did with the Anaheim deal. And I know that team stunk, but then you completely stink along with it. And it wasn't as though Minnesota was clamoring to try to keep him around. Toronto takes him. So I I like the offensive upside. The defensive stuff is sort of whatever. But my biggest thing right now is I I don't know where he fits into the top four, who you actually match him with and how it fits for Toronto. And yeah, all right, again, maybe they make another deal. But yeah, what do you like most about the Klingberg contract? Because yeah, or just him as a player. Because yeah, you seem way more high on it than I am. Second or third D pair 
Uh, Lilligren is a type of guy where I could see him even slotting in that spot on the third D pair. So if we're thinking about, you know, what hole he can slot into and he can also play higher up in the lineup if someone gets hurt, uh, you know, he could go on to the second D pair. He could go on to the first D pair to cl- or to take minutes, eat minutes on guys that generally a guy like Lilligren maybe couldn't or a guy coming out of the lineup could or could not do. So that's the type of guy, that's a value add, a veteran who can eat minutes on any D pair at any time. Again, might be a second, maybe a third D pair, don't really know that yet. Where I find the value is the power play. What do we talk about Riley? Goes to sleep every January, February, wakes up in the playoffs, has great playoffs. This is the type of player that you can just slot in on a first power play unit. If he's not doing what he needs to do, you could put Riley back. So now you have a secondary defensive piece that can go onto that top unit. That's not named Rasmus Sandin that isn't here anymore or guys like that. So I like him right-hand shot. If you play Matthews on his one-timer, now you have two one-time options rather than a lefty playing a catch with Matthews consistently and just trying to set him up for that one-timer one way. Now you have a one-timer coming back at you from the top as well. So that's the first thing I like about having Klingberg up top and his feet movement. He's so good with his feet walking the blue line, creating new passing lanes, creating new spaces on the ice. He's got a great wrist shot. And that's a piece, I believe, the Leafs haven't had consistently on the power play really for a long time. That's not a shot at Riley. I love what Riley does. I just don't think he walks the blue line and has a soft of hands at doing it as a guy like Klingberg does. And then again, adding that right-hand shot piece, if you're going back and forth with Matthews, now you have two bomb options, not just one from, from you know very critical areas on the ice to score goals. I don't know where he'll fit. I have no idea, but I think it will be somewhere on that second, third D pair right side. Maybe start second D pair. If his defensive game drops off, put him and protect him on the third D pair. He is an upgrade on Gus. We've talked about it. I don't know if you agree with that. I think he is. Yeah, he's an upgrade Gus on Gus. Eight seventy five on a one year deal. Yeah. He's better on the power play too. Sure. He's, he's better on the power play. He's better five on five than Gus. He's just a better player than Gus. And yeah. Gus is a good player. He's big. But, He's right-handed, you know. He, he, yeah, and he can be nasty. Maybe he, he might be also that type of guy when he's in a situation, more the lights are shining, maybe Toronto. You never know how guys act. Sometimes they can shrink to the pressure. Sometimes they can rise. Maybe he is a guy that rises to the pressure. Maybe he loves playing in the limelight when the lights are shining the brightest. So that's, a, that's another side piece to this entire thing is how does he play when the lights shine? Mm-hmm. I think he could be a guy that accepts the challenge and rises to it too. God, I hope so. It, it still feels to me, though, like there's going to be another shoe to drop with the blue line. That Tree Living wants to improve it, and that just adding him, losing Hall, doesn't feel... I'll they just say, size. it feels lateral. They need, they need one more guy, a penalty kill guy, yeah, reliable veteran, That's who, it. who out there is to get it. There is one more piece to add that, you know, it could be a 6-7 while their Lilligren falls out to this, you know, maybe he comes in as a Lilligren, 7. Lilligren, man, your boy Gio, uh, who's and loved in the city, he's Gio. 40. Yeah, you could, everyone was on Gio. I'm going to stick up for Gio. Nobody's he, he 40. Be, he's 40 years old. Like Yeah, but he can fall in and out of the lineup, too, to give him yeah. rest on some days. He, he can still contribute enough of what you need, reliable minutes, especially in a market like this. He doesn't shrink to the challenge. So, mm. you know, he's a guy that could be in and out of the lineup, but sure. still give you value. Him, Lilligren, who's that third veteran piece that you bring in? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know the minors here enough. No, is, there, is, there, 
No, they're not. Nothing. Okay, oh, so there bad. you go. I have no it's idea. The cupboard is very, very, very empty. There's no. There's You're no. You're telling me there's no 24 year old big D man playing for the Marlies right now that could possibly fill, you know, a big guy no. that could. There's nothing. No. Um, there's there's no guy on the Marlies right now that you're excited about coming up and playing for the Leafs. No, there's not. Um, I will say that I feel like you can usually get those guys um, late on PTOs and uh, on cheap deals. We saw that with uh, the way that they grabbed Ben, like they grabbed Jordy Ben last year. I think there will be types of guys like that that are kicking around. To me, though, if you're Toronto, you need something a little bit, you need something a bit better than that. And right now their seventh D is Connor Timmins and, that's not exciting anybody. That was still the weirdest. I don't mind him at times, though. Sure, but yeah, it's fine and whatever. It was just a strange decision, I thought, to make sure that you gave him money in the middle of last year to you know, make sure that he was going to be sticking around. I went, okay, he just got waved and he wants to be here. And Yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, he's fine. He, you don't mind him in a regular season game, but if, if I ever had to watch a playoff game with Connor Timmons in it, I don't think I'd feel too great about it. Well, maybe he can build our trust throughout the... Okay. Before you go. Before you go. um, I I liked some of the stuff that you did say at Collision, and I did want to give you a bit of a space here just to talk about Clever, because I'm watching you at the conference, and and I think that we, we have a lot of, you know, hockey is for everyone, and we have a lot of discussions about hockey. And, man, it it's just such an expensive ass sport. And there are yeah. so many advantages that some kids have over others. And especially now, like that gap only feels like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and I, I liked sort of what you were saying about inclusivity, especially even from like a financial standpoint and a tool standpoint with this app. And like you and I, I always plug clever and I, I know what the app is and I like it. And I always try to advocate it for parents and coaches, but I just did, I wanted to give you just a couple of minutes to talk about it here in terms of, yeah, why you started this and yeah, the real reason behind this app, because I think that's a more powerful way to kind of motivate parents and coaches to, to take a peek if they haven't already. Well, at the end of my career, athletes and parents were trying to send me video and there was just no efficient way to get that video, teach it and share it. So I started to look at all these platforms and all the video platforms were very expensive. And then what I started to find is every single platform was, well, first off their desktop and very hard to use but they're very dedicated towards the 1% NHL teams, AHL teams, NCAA, high end academies, people that could afford it. So then when we started to build out clever, we're like, how do we build an app for just any parent, any coach, any athlete to be able to come on and still have some of the tools that the 1% are getting. So that's why we built clever. It was really just with everyone in mind and trying to make sure that, you know, hockey's already you know, a very expensive sport. Soccer used to be just a ball and shoes. It's five, 10 grand now to play competitive soccer. It's wild and travel soccer. And that's why we created clever was now to try to find other ways to give kids an edge and video and how receptive athletes are to video was an easy way to do it because every athlete and every parent and every coach have phones. So that's why we built Clever. Now, if we're getting into kind of the nuts and bolts of why sport is so expensive and it's very cost, you know, especially in North America, the barrier to entry is way too high. Not everyone can go out and buy $1,500 worth of equipment, then pay $2,500 to play minor hockey or wherever it may be, or to play $5,000 worth of travel soccer a year. The European models 
have these pro teams. And again, you're talking tier one, tier two level players that bring players in at a young age. There's either no cost or a low cost entry. So if you're going to play Man U or there's, you know, there's 90 plus club teams in England and you're from that area, they will bring you in on no cost to low cost entry, get you into that system. But with the understanding that that player may be sold on the free market at another point, right. To bring that to basically offset the cost of letting these athletes play for a low cost at a young age, that exists in Europe. That does not exist here. There's no reason for the Toronto Maple Leafs Ottawa centers Calgary to have their own academy system because if they are to bring kids in at low cost barrier to entry at 18 they just lose them to the draft and so we can go all over on on so many aspects of why sport is too expensive and a big piece especially in North America why it's too expensive is because our pro sports teams give no kids real true access into the sport they'll say oh let's go do a, uh, a, a free skate at the pond Okay, well, then how are you going to get the kid to the pond the next day and the next day and the next day? It's how do you keep them coming back? Everyone does all these great incentives. Oh, we, we did a free skate and free equipment one day. Okay, that's amazing. But you still need the athletes to come back, whether it's hockey, baseball, basketball, soccer. Mm-hmm. Cost barrier is way too high now, and I always look back. What's the, what's the pinnacle for every athlete to play pro women's hopefully one day and it's amazing that they're going to have a league pro men's but there needs to be some sort of system put in place that allows these teams to create low cost barrier to entry across you know north america otherwise it's the gap's going to keep getting wider and wider and it's getting crazier and crazier a pair of skates now for a you know high-end pair of skates for a seven or a you know 12 year old is a thousand bucks yeah up to 1200 bucks what like it's just not possible without getting help from above and again whether that's government whatever it may be but if you look at all these europeans they still have such a bigger pool to grab these athletes because they're finding a low barrier to entry again with the understanding that if that player becomes good they may be a valuable asset to that organization but still getting kids to play sports is super important getting them to fall in love with any sport is very important for social they get and networking and being around kids that have aspirations and love what they're doing and bringing it all the way back to clever. That's the first thing that we could think that is building the technology that gave everyone the tools that only a certain people are getting. That's really well said, man. Again, you can visit clever AI to learn more and the app is free in the app store. So go out and get it and go out and check it out. Especially if you like what Chris said, quick break, we'll be back. Sportsnet 590, the fan. You know, I said it yesterday, but I'm going to say it again. One, subscribe to the podcast because we're going to do podcast-only stuff in a second here. But two is I'm going to put my best bets on Twitter and Instagram much later. So follow at JD Bunkus and get the best bets later. Share them, like them, and I'll post them. Mackie just made us wait made us wait 20 minutes to start the podcast today because... I think it's been closer to 30 minutes. That was quite the bathroom break, buddy. All right. What's... <laughs> <laughs> A lot of hot dogs at the Argos game oh, yesterday. That's not Some good. beers going no, down. I was going to say that. Stuff had to be flushed out of the no, system. No, I the said to Joe, whatever's going on is bad. You know, like whatever is Some happening diabolical. there. I used the cafeteria bathroom, so none of our uh, radio Okay, colleagues. thank God, because I was actually going to say that when I went by, 
that bathroom was in use, and I thought you were in there. Ah. And then when you started taking time, I went, you're the new war criminal on the show. <laughs> no, I made sure to go to the cafeteria because, uh, yeah, we had fun at the Argos game wow, yesterday, you... but there was a lot of toxins in the body that had yeah, to come no, out and be you, flushed out. You went to the shame area. Which is good. Which I, I'm big old fan in that <laughs> yeah, bad that's, boy too. That's what God I mean. bless. That one's like tucked away. Most people don't even know those bathrooms are there. Good, good on you because, yeah, the poor soul <laughs> was gonna walk, <laughs> thinking, I think I'll just stop in here before I get a coffee. Oh no, yes. poor them, poor them. Oh man. Anyways, welcome to the podcast. Twenty minutes later than usual, thanks to hot dogs and beers at the Argos game. Hand up my back. Brought to you by the Argos. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. Twenty minutes late. Anyways, yo, I was saying, go to Twitter, share and like the bets I post. That's going to mm-hmm. incentivize me to put these there. You know, do it. Might start getting a little less frequent. I'm going to see how popular the best bets are there. Anyway, um, let's. So Jobo's back. I'm back. Yeah. Uh, everyone noticed you were gone. Nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. What? All right. Let that be a lesson to you. Actually, I cared big time because Monday was one of the most important days we could have had you here, basically in your entire existence. And you were off. My entire existence. Yeah, it was. It was. We needed, Mac- you, we needed you big time yesterday. Mackie almost like had a meltdown on me. <laughs> Austin had a bad day yesterday. I was like, hey, Mackie, I need to do videos. Like, hey. <laughs> he starts like stuttering and <laughs> like. Hair pulling was going I, on. He, he sewered me in a text to somebody, which mm-hmm. if. If you ever do that again, I'm going to break you over my knee. Well, there's like, no sewering. He did. He was like, oh, I was JD. Just, uh, do I ask? to the person who we needed to do something, who the direction was coming from. Yeah. So that more respect was given to said direction. Because mm. mm. JD, oftentimes I feel like I'm not listening here's to what I like say. the wording of that. Here's, here's what I'll say. When I was like, are you sewering me in that text message? A huge smile, anxious smile flashed over his face. And then when he like kind of put his phone near me he pulled it away immediately because like like i was his girlfriend and he was cheating you know he was like <laughs> the only faster guy ever to rip a phone away from someone's eye like eye line was cd lamb at the draft when he had the two phones with his girl <laughs> that oh, was yeah. it yeah no that's pretty accurate that's yeah. a pretty good there's a famous of one of happened. offset too when he's streaming on twitch and he hears cardi b coming up the stairs and you see him like grab the phone and try to put it in his pocket but he misses like four times and then he just sits on it yeah, <laughs> he just soaks it, just sits on it. Just. I like the idea that Cardi B would ever believe there would come a time where Offset wouldn't be cheating on her. <laughs> well, it's like both of them. It's like you know, you just guys just have an open relationship at that point. If you're Cardi but now B and I just, Offset, I, like, I just like that though. It's they're still together. Yeah, fine. No one yeah, said, hey, exactly. Yeah, what do you they, think about famous athletes' wives then, JD? No, I'm just saying that if you're gonna be that way, I think you practice what is called ethical non-monogamy. Yes, agreed. 100% mm. agreed. And that's where you go. That would be my relationship advice to Cardi B and Offset. All right? All right. Let's there get into sports. What do we got? <laughs> there we go. Okay. Alec Manoa. Yeah. Had a great double-A outing. Yeah, good. Five innings. Uh, only allowed three hits, one earned run, ten strikeouts. Uh, There's a ton the of rain, too. For the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Yeah. Um, are you... What, what's the hope level with Manoa after Hi. seeing that? He had the, the bad start in the complex league and then rebounded in double A. Yeah, listen, uh, the complex league thing looked horrific, and there's no way mm-hmm. that you could really view it as a positive, even though a bunch of guys in the organization said that he, they saw some stuff from him that they were hoping to see, blah, 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 blah. Um, I told already the audience, I already told you guys, I texted a couple of people. Mm-hmm. They're people from here, but they're people who know more than me about 
hey, what does that mean, the complex league start? And they went, yeah, it's obviously you want to see better numbers, but this is not this is not the place to be judging what he's doing. Alec Manoa better be able to dominate these guys, but I, I think that out of all that, there's still three walks and five innings in double A. Yeah. That's the one thing that has to go down. I of course he's gonna strike out double A guys, man. This guy was a Cy Young basically mm-hmm. what? He was top three last year. Mm-hmm. And 10 K's in double A should be an absolute given if he's getting five innings. Yeah. Want to see the walks cut down on still the three hits. I don't care. Let guys hit you. The, yeah. Just find the strike zone. Stop walking guys, because that's, what's going to get you back up here. I would say that this is really great because to me, a lot of what's going on with Manoa is the mechanics, the slider, mm-hmm. figuring out the pitch clock, but then also getting his confidence back. He clearly lost his swagger and it was the same thing as Brios last year. He's got the same thing, which is you've got, Good enough stuff. You've got good enough pedigree in the league. But when it starts to fall apart, it really falls apart. That's what happened with Brios last year. That's why I'm still afraid of him in big games, even though he's been brilliant this season. I, I just worry about when the wheels fall off, how he recovers in some instances. And this is how I feel about Manoa right now is how long, how much does double A even matter to him? Let him dominate down here for a while. Don't rush him back. It just sucks because the Jays need him. They're running a four-man rotation. And it feels like him and Hunjin Ryu are these dual tracks, two guys to potentially come back, and then you're hoping that you can hit on one. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if the Jays could make a trade to give him a little bit more time and space. Problem is, if you're the Blue Jays, you don't exactly have a ton of assets yeah, to be that's pulling the thing from. Where you trade. Yeah. What 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 are you giving up to yeah. try and get a fifth starter on your team that is not supposed to be someone that's pitching in the playoffs at all? Mm-hmm. What's the price of acquisition on that? So it was supposed to be Mitch White. Yeah. No. <laughs> not old Mitch. Anyway, I'm encouraged by it. I think that if anyone's writing off Manoa's career, they're an idiot. Yeah. This guy's been through so much. I don't. I think that, yeah, it's it's a confluence of things. It was confidence. It was some mechanical stuff mm-hmm. with the slider, clearly. The pitch clock obviously affected him, and maybe that affected some of the other stuff. And then, yeah, he should probably have his conditioning up. But Ben Nicholson-Smith made the, be- the best point with the conditioning thing. is like he wasn't struggling once he hit the third or fourth inning or once he started to get later. He would struggle right away. Mm-hmm. So I actually put less stock into that stuff than other people do. That's just my opinion. Right. Again, I'm observing this all the same way as the rest of you. I think it's all four of those things, but I would put the other three far, far higher up top. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm I'm optimistic about him. I still find it hard to believe. I don't want to say hard to believe, but I'm not buying the idea that he's going to come back this season and be the Manoa from last year. Right. I think that it's more of a going in. He's got to build some momentum this year. He's got to get back up to the majors. He's got to be a good pitcher. At some point in the year, they kind of need him sooner rather than later because the Blue Jays stink and they can't beat anybody that's in their division. <laughs> but outside of that issue, you know, just keep their head above water. Keep kind of sticking around that wild card right. spot because that's that's where they're going to be, man. They're not winning the division. So it's going to be a wild card team. Are you what, what are you going to say, Mackie? Well, just the four-man rotation is such like a failure on an organizational level. It's, yeah, it is. It's, of course. It's almost un- inexcusable for a team that you want to be able to contend for a World Series championship here's the to thing, have no, four man. legitimate starters no, but, and no one from the minors no, coming No, but up. here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. They're spending $20 million a year on Hunjin Ryu and he got that, hurt. Yeah, and you they're can't spending, control that. They're spending massive money on Kevin Gossman. They're spending massive money on Jose Barrios. Bassett. They're spending yep. massive money on Bassett. 
and they're spending actual real dollars on Kikuchi. Like that's five guys that they've given money to. Plus they have Manoa Pearson didn't work out as a starter. I, I know what you're saying. Okay. And, and I, I think that they could have done a better job of it this year, considering that they knew the Ryu thing was going into the season and that they knew Kikuchi was a bit of a wild card. You that weren't expecting having one of the guys. Yeah. Having no, but having one of the guys not work out, this was always a problem. They definitely needed to have a six starter, but they did trade for Mitch white and he got hurt again. So he was supposed to be sort of their swingman six guy. I hate it too. I agree with you. I'm just saying that it's kind of, it's tough for me to always go with the inexcusable thing when how many teams are spending more on their pitching than the Blue Jays right now, dude? It's a great uh, the Mets, but it's not going much better <laughs> that, for them. But that's either, what I'm right? saying. Yeah, 100%, th- these guys are spending big dollars yeah, are, on arms. Yeah. No, when you put it like that too, you're 100 yeah. right. I just you yeah. forget about it because coming to the season sure. you thing. It's like and what were they supposed to do? We got to give a shout out though to Trevor Richards because he's been sweet and he'll man. be awesome hey. in the bullpen when he comes back. Bullpen, not Who worried about it anymore. Who it was, was you? The, who was the guy that bought Kikuchi stock and Richard stock? It was you. That, that change true. up, man. That, that, that change up. Who was the man? <laughs> it was JD. By the I've way. been, I've been hit. I've been hitting on some lately. I'm just like, I love when people take me so seriously on this stuff, but Hey, listen, you got to count your victories. <laughs> and only your victories. Yeah. I bring up my losses when I have real. Oh, no, that was for me. I never bring up the losses. Don't I literally me. just joked about how McKee and I, basically buried tree living in a podcast <laughs> on yeah, Saturday. Saturday. And then what a difference yesterday. 24 hours yeah. can make. Exactly. No, you're right though. You're right. I didn't think about it that way. Where from, they did have backup plans. Just it's kind of all yeah. gone wrong for them. And you know, they're still above 500. They can beat some teams in the ALEs. You could turn it around here. You're going to yeah. be optimistic again. Optimism is back. It's fine. I, I do think that they're going to make a wild card. Yeah. But it's not as much of a I mean, given. No, it's a tight They're seven and twenty there. against the yeah. ALEs. Like no, they no, gotta win some games against the ALEs. It's, it's not even about that to me. It's not even about making the wild card. It's like the Orioles are a better team than you, and you're eight years into this organization. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles are just getting started. Yeah, that's that's the issue, man. It's not. Hey, can you make a wild card? Could you fluke your way into a playoff run? I shouldn't even say fluke. Could get hot into a playoff run? Sure, you got enough talent, but. The, the batting order is clearly not deep. We can say about the average and the on base and how the bad luck with the runners in scoring position, they don't hit enough bombs. Yeah, they don't Bell's have the cleanup hitter, right? Well, like, they don't have enough scary guys. They yeah. don't have enough scary guys flat out. They should be a deeper lineup at this point, and they're not, and they don't have a bench. And you're they don't have a bench. They don't have a depth starter. Their bullpen is still just eight. You're competing with seven other teams, yeah. too, to no, get into the just, wild card. It's, it's just not good enough, man. It's like, one enough. bad week sends you down, like, four spots. No, it's not good enough. Anyway, uh, where they are compared to their contemporaries, the Rays and the Orioles, mm-hmm. they're not good enough, especially during a down period for the Yankees, where the Yankees got old. Yeah. And, and the Red Sox ownership just doesn't care right now. Reds, yeah, exactly. And, and the Red Sox are around. just like, whatever. And, yeah, they're around, but these yeah. are the years where you're supposed to really capitalize and whoop ass. Yeah. And it's like, why are the Rays with their penny payroll mm-hmm. destroying you what's not working for the blue jays why are who, the oreos who blew it, it up last year that's it man is these guys that were the the prospect kings where are all the, your developmental stories and if you're going to be analytical and years of control and all this other stuff where where's the where are those guys how yeah. come you have so many dudes who are just okay how come you haven't had any real hits like the Varsho thing remains like the most glaring example of this. Cool. Dalton Varsho can play baseball. He's athletic. Makes he, good defensive when he hits, plays. When he hits it hard, boy, he screams them. He's good defensive player. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, you could have got, you got a better defensive player than Dalton Varsho on the free agent market for what? 8 million bucks for Kiermaier. 
So I don't really give a crap about the defense thing. They paid nothing to get Kiermaier, and he's better at that position than Varsho is today. And he, years of control, JD. Okay. Do I really want years of control of a guy who OPS is 680 or whatever the hell it is right now? Kiermaier's a 9 million. Nine, whatever. Nine million. But that sounds like they traded Varsho for Moreno, who no, they but, would have years of control on, and yeah, it, that's, the, the whole thing. No, that, my that point whole is, argument's silly. It, it doesn't even matter about that. All I'm saying is that these dudes identified Dalton Varsho as a guy who was supposed to give them more, and he's given them less. Yes, and it's just it's yeah. been a lot of that stuff, man. Anyway, so yeah, uh, it's getting pretty hairy heading into the deadline here, mm-hmm. and yeah, I haven't been talking a lot of Blue Jays. One because there's been tons of leaves, but two is that. Guess what? I'm going to have a full summer to talk and rail against the, the Toronto Blue Jays if they're thinking. But yeah, the Manoa thing, they need them all of a sudden. That's the problem is that they need them. And it feels like you would love to have a situation where you don't have to rush them up here. Mm-hmm. And now you kind of go, hey, how many? If you put together two decent double A starts in a row, what's the point? He's not going to triple A. It's double A. Anyway. Yeah. Um, what's next? Uh, you know what? I just got to say, too. Okay. Siakam rumors are here heating up. Mm hmm. You know, Joe stopped me today, and you guys were like, Siakam, Siakam, Siakam. It was actually Mackie. <laughs> Just put me right in there. <laughs> yeah. Lucas uh, Grange was on Raptor show. Yeah, I know. Joe is on vacation. Know. Joe, Joe texted me, and he went, I'm going to bury, I'm going to get right into the sports. And then he's like sending me all these kicker stories about things I couldn't care less about. The Indiana woman. We'll do that one later. That one's funny. That one's crazy. <laughs> Which one is Thanks, that? Thanks, Austin. The Indiana woman? Uh, robbed at gunpoint then asked out on oh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, anyway, my thoughts on Siakam just remain unchanged from yesterday. If you can get Siakam for DeJounte Murray, Cody Bufkin, a first-round pick, and maybe a little bit something else, I think that you do that trade. Mm. You, you still get a good player, but he's actually a point guard. He fits with your team. I've always liked DeJounte Murray's game. He's a good defensive player too, like mm-hmm. on-ball defender, creator, someone who can get to the rim. You build more around Scotty Barnes, you turn it into his team, or you just end up flipping DeJounte Murray as well. You know, you take him to another organization down the line. He's an asset. Like, he's a real piece. He's valuable. We just yeah. saw what he was traded for with San Antonio. That's why I don't know if, how much Atlanta gives up on top of him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can't give Siakam two hundred plus million dollars and tie him up into his thirty season, his age thirty seasons, and then explore the trade two years from now. To me, yeah. I think that this is the thing that keeps getting lost in this stuff with people. Is you go, man, Siakam's a good player. I agree. I've always been a Siakam guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in the playoffs. Actually, against Boston, <laughs> I was pretty pissed off about that. And after two games against the Sixers, I went, ah, you know what? I'm tired of athletes Use in left Toronto. Hand, buddy. Use left hand. I'm tired of athletes in <laughs> Toronto that can't come through in the playoffs. But I'll just say that. There's an opportunity cost with all this stuff, man. There's an opportunity cost to try to grow Scotty Barnes in a younger team that feels more empowered and grows together. If you have it as Siakam's team still, if he's the guy that's got to get the ball, remember the, all the Scotty Barnes clutch stats last year. Mm-hmm. Let's see what he can do with a full season of that as the man already and a younger team. Anyway, what's next? So yesterday, a video went viral. Michael Jordan leaving a restaurant in Paris. Yeah, I love this. And so, People of obviously is leaving the restaurant. Everyone's crowding him. And one guy yelled out if he approved of his son, Marcus, who is dating Larsa Pippen, who is mm-hmm. obviously the ex-wife of Scotty Pippen. Yeah. And he said he had a very resounding answer. No. And they asked him a couple more times. He just kept shaking his head. No, no, no. So what was your first reaction to seeing that? Uh, it's a pretty funny clip. Michael Jordan's a goat. (laughs) (laughs) Just burying his kid on TMZ in France as he's going into his limousine with his lady. Just laughs, first of all, at it. No. Okay. 
Got to say, though, it's the only position he could take. Yeah. Because straight up, if Michael Jordan, if they went, do you approve? Why? I mean, other than just saying nothing, which is why I believe that he does feel that way. If he was getting into that van and they were like, what do you feel about your son dating Larsa Pippen? And he was like, it's awesome. <laughs> so great. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> so much worse. And MJ has to be sick watching Scottie Pippen after the last dance nonstop try to denigrate him. Yeah. Have all these conversations about how someone was more important. I'll even say that my boy, Gary Payton embarrassed himself a little bit with these clips. Mm. Like he went on Vlad TV and he talked about how he understood what Pippen was saying because Pippen was the more versatile guy and all this stuff. And he was a playmaker and all these different things. And I went, uh, no, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, about Gary, but one of my most prominent childhood memories is 96 when Jordan whooped your ass and <laughs> took a title. Took a pretty easy Core ring. memory. Yeah. Per- took a pretty easy ring from y'all. <laughs> and it, it became personal with me. Yeah. This, I think that there's a lot of guys who are jealous of MJ. Plus, he's he's not exactly Mr. Relationship. Yeah. So they don't feel like they have to, like, oh, what's going to happen? MJ's going to hate me more? Ooh. Already, you know? I already probably oh. hates you, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're not afraid of him. Yeah. In that regard, and he can't whoop their ass on the court anymore. And whatever. Get Charles guys. Oakley to whoop it off it, though. Uh, I I think last time I'm not going to say anything about Oak, but I'll just say that last time I think he got into a fight. It was in Vegas, and he almost got killed by bouncers. We're not going to say anything I, else I, about I think, that. We're not saying anything else about that. All I'm saying is Charles Oakley is how old now? He would still kill me, <laughs> would eviscerate me. But he's 60 years old. I think I think he's got to hang up the fighting. He's got to hang up the mitts. No more fighting, <laughs> please. You heard it here first. Uh, but anyways, yeah the. Michael Jordan's son is a scumbag. There's no doubt about it. Like, he's just, he's, he is. Why are you looking at me like that? What are you doing? There's a million women on planet Earth, and Scottie Pippen's ex-wife is sleeping with Michael Jordan's son, and he's like, hell yeah. No, dude, this is wrong. This is a Mm. wrong move. This is a, this is just violating codes everywhere. There's like a million things wrong with this. (laughs) And she's a villain, too. She's at the top of the villain pile because she hooked up with her son's teammates. Like, she's a... She's a bad lady. <laughs> she, is, she is not invited to anything I'm a part of ever. She's a bad lady. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me feel really bad for Scotty Pippen. Yeah, dude. Of course. What do you, do you think his brain is broken? Yeah, literally. That's it this all, just, this yeah. just like the cherry on you top. Guys, you guys are too young for this. And Austin's been in a relationship for too long, but man, girl breaks your heart. Takes a long time to get over it. That was actually a viral thing the other day. There was a tweet that went viral that was like, "I'm unconvinced men can be heartbroken," and there were all these guys posting mm. tweets that were pictures of athletes losing sports, which is funny. It was like Tim Tebow crying. Uh, <laughs> but you break somebody breaks your heart, somebody smashes it up. Mm-hmm. You're like, man. It, years later, you could see a picture of her with some guy you don't know. Yeah, and. It's just, just weak ruined. <laughs> no, it's bad. You're just sitting there like comparing yourself. Anyway, it's just bad. And even if you ended the relationship, it's yeah. like that. Even if you broke up with the girl and you look at it down the line, there's never a good time where unless you're, I think maybe when you're older and wiser and you start to get like divorces and you get friends with your wife, I'm sure there's amicable ones like that, but even still True. you're like, yeah, it's gotta be a point of pride. Scotty Pippen's brain is completely in tatters, knowing that someone with the last name Jordan yeah. is has his. <laughs> it's so funny to even think about. Yeah, no, it's not funny, man. It's, oh, it's, it's bad. It's so bad. bad. Oh, it's so bad. You gotta have some sympathy, oh, man. Bad lady. Bad lady. Bad lady. I honestly, 
If there was a court, if she went to some state and it was like she was like in Arkansas where he's from and they arrested her and put her in jail, I wouldn't be like, you should free her. <laughs> Would anybody who's showing up with a sign like free Larsa? Uh, Marcus I can't get her name right too. Larsa. I don't, I don't think you're right. I think it's Larissa. Larissa Pippen. Yeah, yeah it's Larissa. L-A-R-S-A. Yeah, but I, I think still it's just one Is of those things. Is there like things. a mystery I in there? Yeah, just think that it's one of those names where it's spelt weird, but huh. it's got the thing. I've always said Larsa. Maybe that's just a, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Whenever you say, I just, maybe it's my brain can't comprehend someone named Larsa. What, Mackie? You got one last thing? No, I was, myself, I was Michael Jordan, right? Scotty Pippen's talking all this noise about me and everything I, I did from off Jordan. the career. I'd be like, yeah, I'm happy my son's dating that. Yeah. Screw that no. guy. Even my, my family. That would make it so too. much worse, No, but dude, that's, that's what I'm saying. Even MJ knows. I know. Even MJ knows. The most competitive, MJ is going, petty person in buddy. professional sports knows this is too far. This is, yes. It's wrong. It's Thank wrong. You just made what I was going to make essentially is my point. MJ was like the most cutthroat competitor ever. Muggsy Bose thinks he can guard me. Yeah, Doesn't right. care about anyone's feelings. Ended his relationship, his friendship with Charles Barkley. A decades-long friendship over one criticism on television from Chuck. Took shots at that dead GM at his Hall of Fame uh, press conference, Jerry Krause. Yeah. And, yeah. (laughs) No, but that's fine. But that was a little different just in terms of they had, like, a more vehement relationship. They were never friends. I'm just saying, like, his good friend, Charles (laughs) Barkley, for years and years and years and years, he says one thing about him on television. Yeah. And he calls him, and he's like, yep, we're not friends anymore. That's how ruthless this guy is. Mm-hmm. And even he, even the most ruthless competitor that we've ever seen in any sport, sees, sees this behavior <laughs> and he cannot approve. Even he is not this ruthless. So Larsa Pippen, Larissa Pippen, whatever her name it is, is, such a bad lady <laughs> that the most ruthless competitor who ever lived thinks she's... Bad. Evil. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> he does not approve of her activities yeah. and behavior. So yeah, no, awful, Anyways, awful. Uh, let's do one more thing. One more thing. Are you excited for the new Drake album called "For oh, All the Dogs"? Hell yeah! He, Summertime. Uh, I love a new Drake album. The only thing is, is I like. And I, when would the last Drake album get released? The last Drake album that would have been Certified Lover Boy. That yeah. would have been last year. Was that last year? Or was that two years ago? No, it was last year. It had to be. He doesn't go two years without an album. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just it, 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 this is just a sign of getting older. Oh, it was late twenty twenty one. Okay, so late yeah. So I, I was gonna say it didn't really feel like yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I was right. So thank you. Maybe that one was a little bit pandemic related. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a byproduct of getting older. But I have a little bit of fear with the Drake album of like. Used to be that a hot Drake album would drop and old Bunk was in the bars, you know, having a time being with the bros. And now it's like, am I only going to listen to this album when I work out alone? Mm. <laughs> you know, True. am I just going to have only text message conversations about this album? That's, that's a fear. Is uh, right. like, yeah. What's, what's the replayability? It's not replayability. No, see, you're too young to even. Joe's so young. He's like, look at him. He's like, what do you even mean? What do you? No, I know. I I listen to music at all times. It's like the utility of it. Yeah. It's like he's not going to be at the club here in the tracks. Not going to be at the club. But I'm just saying, yeah, it was like, yeah, Drake, summer, summer fun, summer loving. Yeah. Just getting older, you know, starting to think about age a little bit differently. He he did have the honestly never mind like that uh the the house album. 
That was the one that was I awesome. Never to that. Yeah, I, I almost know. entirely forgot about that one because it's just it was yeah. not Drake sound at all. I'm not gonna say it sucked because I have too much respect for Drake. Mm-hmm. There was a couple songs that were good, like yeah. "Flights Booked" wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't know what any of the titles are. Oh, I'm sorry, that's like <laughs> anyway. one of the only ones I remember. Yeah, one more that's not Drake. <laughs> one more that's not Drake. So it was a janitor who accidentally destroyed a million dollars worth in damages of so this, this comes from the Rens, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute I had to make sure I got mm. that right yeah, Rensselaer Polytechnic did. Institute in Troy a janitor there, there was a noise as he was cleaning he turned off a switch ended up turning off a freezer which destroyed 25 years of research in that freezer and a million dollars in damages mm-hmm. um, yeah like that's got to be a horrific Hall of Fame worst day at work have you ever had anything like a small little prank or a joke i know this wasn't a prank but like something like that that accidentally went way too far yeah i feel like every prank i've ever done has gone too far and <laughs> every one you've ever done yeah like I, I i i'm not a good prankster oh what does that mean it means just, like you just miss it goes way too big or way too small yeah mm. it's like there's oh. those guys that it's like it's like oh yeah we should uh we should Put a whoopee cushion under, and then JD's one of the guys that's like, "Oh no, yeah, let's, how no. does they sit on a nail?" And then they get tinnitus, maybe. No, I'm not. That would be hilarious. No, that's not it at all. That's, wow, wow, Mackie, you really do think I'm a villain, man? You try to sewer <laughs> me in text messages to people, and then you're like, and then JD would tell them they want to sit on a nail. Like, okay, yeah, that's cool, man. Insane. All I've ever done is support Mackie's career, and like yesterday, I text him, I'm like, "Hey, man, take the night off, this enjoy with your dad." Very They'll, kind, very kind, and very and then you're supportive. like, JD's the kind of guy who would say, "Put a nail on a chair," like. <laughs> Well, I have. Where, I, I where just want to say these pranks, then, man. Like I was trying to. No, I know. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you, you're a dick. <laughs> like I support you so much, and you're just like he's the worst guy who ever that's, lived. That's how not dare where you? I was going with that, yeah. but I could see how you were interpreting. Yeah, yeah. No, it hurts my sure. feelings, man. Right to nail in a Here, chair. Yeah, that's insanity. Na- anyway, I I told this one before, but one time when I was in high school, we did the dog poo on fire thing Mm. but we were hammered and we were stupid and we were also trying to combine my friend trying to clean out his his parents were out of town and he had one chore and it was to clean the dog poop up in the backyard right and then instead of just putting it in a small bag we were like filling up a a real bag and then we decided like hey why don't we just do this like a full garbage bag yeah and we're having one of those like high school you're just with like eight dudes eight dudes maybe more 12 dudes and then two (laughs) girls showed up for five minutes and we're like yeah, see ya. <laughs> what are you guys doing in here? Uh, Just poke a head in the door. Gross. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> guys are drinking Mike's Hard Lemonades and, <laughs> you know, like, and you know, putting poop in yeah, bags. Exactly, it was one of those. Sick. So we put it on a porch mm-hmm. and uh, lit the bag, and then the bag lit the. It, it just went no, up and it yeah, lit the porch went, off yeah, there. yeah, and oh, it no. lit the welcome mat on fire, and it burned the door. And we just picked a random house. By the way, I was the only one who didn't get arrest, like didn't get caught. I went my separate way. They all stuck together like idiots. Our getaway driver peeled out. He saw the fire. <laughs> he bailed. Yeah, just immediately. And and he was there's the, no commitment to the bit. Well, first of all, he was the sober guy who showed up. to saw a bunch of bros oh, whacked out on Mike's hearts. <laughs> you know, Mike's hearts or whatever. Those are the days when you just went into whatever your parents had and you had to steal different parts. To not make it noticeable, so mm-hmm. you'd have like a water bottle, like one here, one with there, with like a water bottle three quarters filled with Jim Beam, 
like, you know, a couple uh, export snobs going yeah, a couple the, export uh, A's or no, export A's is the cigarette. What what am I thinking of? Uh, Molson exports. Yeah, Molson yeah. exports. Like two of those, and then three Mike's Hard Lemonades. That's those are the, the vodka, days. Put the water in the vodka, and then your dad would toss no, it in the freezer, and it would freeze. No, and it's I, like, I, I don't know no, why. No, I'm alcoholic happened. dad. There was no putting water in the vodka bottle. There was no cheating that system. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was no. That was not the one. That was not the one. But yeah, just you'd always clock sort of how many beers were left over from either your parents having people over and no one, and then like scuttle one away, and then you'd build the stash. Mm. That's what I would do, anyways. I would build the stash. And go like, all right, the collection, it is growing. I was like a, I was like a dragon in the in the Lord of the Rings, sitting Collecting on all the gold, gold, you know, just sitting in the cave with all my gold. But it was just You're like sleeping on top of it. It was terrible. It was kokany and yeah, those terrible, awful stuff. But anyways, you collect all those things, and then finally you'd be ready to party. Because mm-hmm. or you'd get a runner. That was always a difficult task of getting someone's older brother or whatever that somebody had either a fake ID or mm-hmm. someone that would actually buy you the booze. But that didn't really start to become a thing until that was you were grade a senior. 11, yeah, grade, grade 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. Like when yeah. you were younger, like that was way harder to do to pull that one off. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm not advocating for this, but <laughs> this, yeah, we, say, this podcast yeah, is not anyway, advocating for that. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I lit the Prank. poo. We, me and four other fellas, we lit that poo bag on fire. And we ran away from the, uh, ringing the door, like we'll call the fire department. And then anyways, it, it, I, I don't want to get into the last part of the story, but I got away, but let's just say it ended up being a single mother oh. and yeah. And she had a kid who had difficulties and it's like, we could not have That's picked like the worst, the worst I know. possible no, dude, it was outcome of nightmare. that. Anyways, the boys got tracked down in the woods by the dogs <laughs> and I went my separate way. I just walked the street. Which is smart. What? The street was the safe part. You just walked. That's what I'm down. saying. I just walked it. I went into a 7-Eleven and it was a cop car. Woo woo! Everywhere it was like, oh yeah, no, it was a real thing. <laughs> You're just we were, sitting there drinking a spray. Yeah, there used to be like a show on. on TV called. It wasn't a show. It was just a channel. Like, and they'd have Crime Stoppers, and they were like, hey, mm. Crime Stoppers. This is what happened tonight. And I was like, oh, we're bad boys. We're villains. We're on the run. Anyway, that prank definitely went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I've done. I, I've like. Yeah. Just had stuff like accidental broken windows happen mm-hmm. through pranks, and yeah, people's stuff ruined through pranks. Just they, there's been a lot that have gone too far, right? Yeah. Like that's just the way it goes when you're younger and you're trying to figure out the prank game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just don't, they don't work out. It's just fires. Either it's either like that you have the best pranks. No, or that's so, fire is danger because hey. I've had some with fire too. No, where it's here's what I'll say. You could have went to jail for that. No, here's what I'll say. Never do pranks with fire. Yes. 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 Official fire. stance of the show. No fire pranks. The only good pranks that ever feel fine after is like we used to have this one roommate in college who would just get blacked, you know, like blackout drunk on his face and everything when they wake up. But th- yeah, but that one even, it kind of suck. Like we drew on his face a couple times, but it was only <laughs> when he would be a real jerk because he was like, he would go glass eye drunk and be awful. Like we're all uh, the only words that he could start using were words. I can't say on here. Yes. True. You know, <laughs> like he used to just get belligerent. He got kicked out of every bar, you know, like he'd been beat up a couple of times, one time, one time he got his jacket stolen in the middle of winter. He got beat up by teen hooligans and he got his jacket back because one of the teenagers' moms found the jacket in her house. He was in university. He's like six two. And she called, she called the house being like, is Sean there? We have his jacket. 
Like, that's how funny it was. But we used to cover him in garbage whenever he would fall asleep. It was so great. Just cover him in trash. Poor Sean. Take pictures of it on grainy <laughs> Motorola razors. So great. It was fun. It was just always fun to see how much trash we could get on him before he would open up those blank staring eyes and look at you, like, with all Empty anger. Eyes. And then try to chase you. And then you'd be like, no, let's throw you down the ground. You're way too buckled. Anyway, all right. Uh, let's wrap this up. I feel like I'm fired. <laughs> I feel like I did a bad thing. Uh, anyway, all right. Subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. Share it. Share the share the bets. What? Does, does Joey Chestnut win today? Oh, yeah. Hot dogs eating contest. Mm. Actually, got- there's a prop I really like that is more home runs today versus uh, Chestnut dogs. That's what I'm going to be betting on. Boy's aiming for 57. We'll see. He's aiming for 57. Dude, I read the article of what Joey Chestnut goes through after these competitions, and it it it, it has completely altered the way that I view these things. He's he has a legit to, like, athlete. He's a legit. No, he's not. But he has to <laughs> he has to go to a hotel room and basically just poop and lay down for multiple days after and just suffer. He mm-hmm. suffers, and you think obviously he does, but yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, buddy, I ate a hot dog and a half. I was in there for ten minutes. I have no idea. Ten how minutes, he does generously this. low. <laughs> ten anyway. minutes is forty-five. Anyway, we got to wrap this up. But yeah, share the bets, like the bets, do all those things because then it'll end up making me do it more. And then yeah, share the podcast, tell your friends, subscribe, leave five stars, do all those things. I'll see you tomorrow.